After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Asher Malach, Beterem Kol Yitzir Nira, Liet Nasa Bechepso Kol, Azaymel Ashemo Nika, Biacharei Okichlot Ako, Lebado Yiloch Nora, Behu
Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da
J.M. in the A.M., Ari Goldwagon Company, uh, here at uh, J.M. in the A.M. That's from the Acapella Soul CD, part of our three weeks format. Hope your fast went fast yesterday and that you're able to make it through without any problems. And uh, here we are in a three weeks format at J.M. in the A.M. We basically have turned Acapella. And um, I know that a lot of people are happy about that. At the first two weeks of our three weeks format will be a cappella, and then during the nine days we'll switch to uh, all talk, which is our tradition here at J, or mostly talk, I should say, which is our tradition here at JM and the AM. And we will have a program on Tishabov two weeks from Tuesday. We will have a program on Tishabov itself with Kinnis and more. Donnie Gross and company had Avas Hashem. You heard Cole Ish with Adon Alam. Hamalach Boi Vishalom and Achenu. Done by uh, Cole Zimra. I still haven't gotten uh, A.B. Rottenberg on the air to discuss the whole Achenu role in Israel and the Jewish world over the last month. And the Regesh and Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Wednesday on this July 16th, the 18th of Tammuz. Good morning, 72 degrees, 96% humidity. Winds are west at 2 miles an hour. Morning showers with a high of 82, then tonight, partly cloudy, low 65, mostly sunny for tomorrow. And again, it looks like we're going to luck out for the weekend. Looks like uh, the good weather is going to continue through the weekend. High tomorrow, 82 degrees. I think we've cooled off a bit since this big rain yesterday. If you were stuck in traffic yesterday, I hope you had the NSN app. I hope you had the, uh, I hope somehow you were connected to our stream, to our network at jmtheam.org. Because I don't know how else one can get through a two and a half hour inbound traffic jam at the George Washington Bridge and all the other jams that were going on yesterday afternoon during the flash flooding. Just unbelievable. 86 right now in Yushalayim in Tel Aviv, 84 in Haifa, 95 in Eilat. Up in Guilford, New York, our friends at Camp Misora, where Boys Campus are the reigning Zimriya champions. They're at 58 degrees going up to 74 and it looks like they're going to have a nice day and we're looking forward to a big visiting day weekend coming up. Uh, this coming Sunday. At least four rockets were intercepted by the Iron Dome over the greater Tel Aviv area on Wednesday in the latest barrage of projectiles launched from the Gaza Strip. In addition to Tel Aviv and its surroundings, the brace of rockets set off code red rocket alert sirens in Ashdod, Herzliya, Ramat HaSharon, and Petach Tikva. Two rockets fell in open areas of Damona, the site of Israel's nuclear reactor, a house in South Tel Aviv, was lightly damaged when shrapnel directly hit the home's window and crashed into the courtyard. No injuries were sustained. Earlier Tuesday, the Ashkelon area was the target of eight rockets, six of which were intercepted by Iron Dome. The Eshkol Regional Council, which borders the Gaza Strip and has been one of the most often attacked areas, was also targeted by four rockets on Wednesday morning. The rocket fire came as the IDF was expected to expand its bank of targets in Gaza as part of Operation Protective Edge. The IDF dropped leaflets in northern Gaza to residents of that area and sent recorded messages and placed calls warning civilians to leave. The leaflets told residents that despite a truce, Hamas and terror organizations continue to fire rockets and the IDF therefore plans to strike with much, much more power against terrorists and targets from these areas, rocket fire is being launched against the state of Israel. For your safety, you are requested to leave your homes 
immediately and travel toward Gaza City by Wednesday at 8 a.m. The IDF does not wish to harm you or your families. Clear the area to safeguard your lives. Do not return to the area until further notice. Anyone who does not listen to instructions endangers his life and that of his family. More than 1,000 rockets have been fired into Israel since Operation Protective Edge was launched last week. Tuesday saw Israel's first casualty as a fragment from a mortar shell killed Dror Hanin, 37-year-old of Beit Aryeh at the Erez crossing. He had come as a civilian volunteer to distribute food to soldiers at Erez. The latest from Israel. Last night I participated in an emergency Tehillim session, and I hope that those sessions continue. Everybody who has an opportunity to gather in prayer and the saying of Tehillim of Psalms on behalf of our IDF soldiers and on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Israel, please make sure to do so. Please make sure to do so. A very challenging time. Those of you who are uh, heading to Israel today, and it seems every day there are more and more people heading out on flights to the Holy Land, thank you. Thank you for uh, demonstrating this type of support for our brothers and sisters, and let us hope that they don't need this type of support for long, but as long as they need it, we will be there to provide it. By the way, I read an article, and actually a listener called yesterday and said that they were related to this couple, I've got to acknowledge this on the air. A Crown Heights couple has made the ultimate tribute to the three murdered Israeli teens, naming their newborn son in their memory this past Monday morning. Eyal Gilad Naftali Teitelbaum was born July 7th. His parents, Yanki and Bina, felt strongly about doing something in honor of at least one of the slain boys. Uh, they told VIN News, we had a different name picked out when he was born. We wanted to add one of the names as a way of capturing the emotion and how he felt. I was trying to figure out which of the three names went better with the name we planned to use, but nothing clicked. Then we thought of using all three names, and it just worked, and we felt it was the right thing to do. Teitelbaum said that they chose the order of the names based on how they sounded best and says they have yet to decide exactly what they will call the newborn son. We all felt so helpless and so connected to these families that we don't even know, that we don't even know. And you feel like the tragedy is your own, said the 41-year-old father of six. We wanted to add some positive energy into this tragedy and the continued remembrance of the feeling of achdus that we all experienced. People are going to forget about what happened, but the families of those boys will never forget. And this baby will be here to remind us every day of our lives. This is not the first time that the Teitelbaums have chosen a name in an effort to continue the legacy of a life cut all too short. And VIN News has seen the birth certificates of two other Teitelbaum children who were named to perpetuate the legacy of three unique individuals whose lives ended tragically. Shalhevet Fried at Teitelbaum, the couple's oldest daughter, is named both after a grandmother and Shalhevet Pass, a 10-month-old Israeli infant who was shot in the head by a sniper at 10 months old. We wanted to find some way to add light to the darkness, explained Teitelbaum. Teitelbaum met Shalhevet Pass's father, Yitzchak, seven years ago when he was filming in Hebron. I showed him some pictures of my daughter, and we hugged. The Teitelbaums invited the Pass family to Shalhevet's bat mitzvah this past December. We wanted to let them know that they are close to our hearts and to ask if there was any special tribute we should make to Shalhevet at the bat mitzvah. The Pass has responded, wishing the Teitelbaums well and noting that part of their daughter's lives, part of their daughter's Part of their daughter lives on in every girl named in her memory. Seven-year-old 
seven-year-old Ehud Daniel Teitelbaum was named after two soldiers who made the ultimate sacrifice, Sergeant Major Ehud Goldwasser of the IDF and Private First Class Daniel Agami of the United States Army. When he was younger, my son would say that his name is Ehud Goldwasser Daniel Agami Teitelbaum. He knows he's named after two very special people. So an amazing gesture and really an incredible story, Kolakavod. This young man will carry the name of uh, three people who brought the Jewish people together in a very challenging time. That challenging time continues. Let us continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Israel and for all of our brothers and sisters who are serving in the IDF, in the Israel Defense Forces at this time. More coming up in an acapella format Wednesday at JM in the AM.
Shalom, 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 Oh, 
our Sphere format. WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Round the world on the web, jmnam.org. Galei Tal, Israel Army Radio News coming up here at JM in the AM. Do our news and uh, all that. Tzvi Silberstein and company with Avarachem. And you heard Jordan and Adam with Shalom. Eighth day with Aye Makom. Kolachai with the Krakow Nigun and Noah Solomon's Hine Kel off of Shabbos Acapella Treasury. News from Israel next. It's JM מתח רקטות כבד בשעה האחרונה לעבר הדרום, אין נפגעים, כתבי נורא משני. סמוך לקריית גת, ירתו בהצלחה שתי רקטות ושתיים אחרות התפצצו במשטחים פתוחים. רקטה שנורתה לכיוון ערד או דימונה התפוצצה אף היא בשטח פתוח. מוקדם יותר נגרמו נזקים בשני יישובים בעוטף עזה בהתפוצצות רקטות ממקומות מרכזיים בהם אין נפגעים. שר החוץ אביגדור ליברמן ממשיך לקרוא לכניסה קרקעית לעזה ולהפלת שלטון חמאס. כתבנו רוי אנטבי שמע אותו בסיור באשקלון. לא ניתן להבטיח חופש קיץ נורמלי לילדינו ללא טיפול בקרקע. זה הכל. אנחנו לא צריכים לשלוט בעזה, אנחנו לא צריכים להקים יישובים בעזה, אנחנו צריכים להבטיח שכל מחבלי חמאס או שהם יברחו משם או שיצרו או שימותו. ליברמן תקף טענות שלפיהן הממשלה מפולגת ואמר, הממשלה מדברת בקול אחד. כולם רוצים להבטיח את ביטחונם של אזרחי מדינת ישראל לגבי איך להשיג את זה. לכל אחד יש עמדה והוא מבטא אותה בקבינט. מוקדם יותר תקף חבר הכנסת שאול מופז, לשעבר הרמטכ"ל ושר הביטחון, את התנהלות הממשלה בזמן המבצע. לא זכור לי ששרים של הקבינט או שרים מהמפלגה של ראש הממשלה בעת מבצע צבאי, כשאזרחים מסכנים את חייהם, יוצאים נגד מי שמוביל בעת הזאת, בתורנות שלו, את ביטחונה של מדינת ישראל. שימו לב, אזעקה באשקלון, זיקים וכרמיה. אזעקה באשקלון, זיקים וכרמיה. הפלסטינים מדווחים שצה"ל תקף בצהריים רכב סמוך לח'אן יונס ושלושה בני אדם נהרגו בהם גבר בן 65. גורם צבאי אומר לכתבנו טל אברהם שיד התקיפה היה הרכב שעל פי הערכות נסעו בו מחבלים. כתבנו ג'קי חוגי מוסר שמאז תחילת מבצע צוק איתן נהרגו ברצועה 208 פלסטינים. מערכת כיפת ברזל יירתה הבוקר ארבע רקטות ששוגרו לכיוון גוש דן והשרון. רסיס חדר תקרת בית בתל אביב, בני המשפחה לא היו במקום ואיש לא נפגע. שגיא אנגל, בעל הבית, סיפר שבמבנה הם לא מרגישים מוגנים. זה מזל שיצאנו מהבית. כשאני אהיה בחוץ, אני פשוט רואה איפה זה בא ואני רץ לצד הנגדי. להישאר בתוך הבית זה לא בטוח. מוקדם יותר, אישה נפצעה קל מרסיסים במושב במועצה האזורית באר טוביה. יעל דן, שוחחה איתה. אחד הרסיסים פגע לי בשוק, ממש אש גדולה, וזה כל כך מהיר שאי אפשר לתאר את זה. אני עדיין בשוק. צה"ל יהרוס את בתיהם של שני החשודים ברצח שלושת הנערים, נפתלי פרנקל, גלעד שער ואייל יפרח, זכרם לברכה, מדווח כתבנו ענבל תמיר. הצהרה מסר למשפחותיהם של מרואן קוואסמה ועמר אבו אישה הודעה על כוונתו להרוס את הבתים, וכעת עומדת לרשותם יממה להגיש התנגדות שככל הנראה תידחה. בתחילת החודש הרס צה"ל את ביתו של זיאד עוואד, המואשם ברצח ברוך מזרחי, אז הייתה זו הפעם הראשונה בה נהרס בית בגדה, מאז 2005. 
התחזית מחר צפויה ירידה בטמפרטורות. ולסיום, גלי צהל עם תושבי הדרום, מיד אחרי החדשות נעביר בשידור חי הופעה של כנסיית השכל בקיבוץ רוחמה, משם מדווחת מיכל פורת. בפאב בקיבוץ רוחמה מתאספים אחרוני התושבים להופעת המקלט האינטימי של כנסיית השכל. מעטים מאוד מחברי הקיבוץ בחרו לצאת להתאוורר ביישובים מחוץ לטווח הרקטות, ולכן ניתן לראות בין עשרות התושבים שהתקבצו בפאב הקטן, קהל מכל שכבות הגיל. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר. Yeah, yeah. 
great uh, medley from a, a CD entitled Rananud Sadikim. Perfect for our acapella format three weeks. It's Wednesday on this July 16th, the 18th of Tammuz. Good morning, everybody. 72 degrees, morning showers, and a high temperature of 82. Clearing up, and tomorrow we're expecting a really nice day with sunny weather and a high of 82 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 86. A lot of people getting set to head to Yerushalayim. This coming Monday, there will be a plane load of people, and I am told nobody has canceled their plans to make Aliyah and move to the Holy Land. Our friends from Nefesh Benefesh will check in in the 8 o'clock hour and we'll find out exactly what's happening in terms of this great group from North America who have made this commitment and are sticking with it to head to Israel this summer. We'll talk all about that coming up if you keep it here at JM in the AM. Earlier I mentioned a um, a Mazel Tov to the Teitelbaum couple in Crown Heights. The... Um, the brand new name of the title bound baby in Crown Heights is Ayal Gilad Naftali. Three names, and for those of you who've been following, named after the three boys murdered by the enemy just a few weeks back. And uh, we wish Mazel Tov to the title bound family as they continue a tradition of naming their children after Jewish heroes, especially those who were taken from us very young in recent times. Sakalakavod. Wednesday morning, JM in the AM. Many people have pointed out that the last comments, the last public comments by Danny Danone as Deputy Defense Minister were made here on JM in the AM very, very shortly after that interview yesterday as Danny Danone was heading toward the uh, city of Steyrot. Uh, he was fired as Deputy Defense Minister of Israel. It's interesting to watch how his... Uh, Political capital has, it seems, gone up since then, since yesterday. But anyway, that was, uh, that was pretty ironic. Danny Danone uh, on our program, moments later fired as the Deputy Defense Minister of Israel for statements that the Prime Minister felt were inappropriate. Be interesting to see what happens within the Likud as the uh, military operation continues. The Washington Post had an interesting article this morning. Israel's pledge to intensify its military operation in Gaza could hasten the moment when the Obama administration will be forced to decide whether to use its leverage to corral its closest ally in the Middle East. Israeli officials in a series of television interview statements and social media venues said Tuesday that Hamas's rejection of a ceasefire offer validated the force it has used over eight days of conflict and made legitimate their argument for a wider military effort. The Obama administration appeared to accept that rationale, blaming the armed Islamist movement in Gaza for missing an opportunity to end the eight-day aerial assault and avoid a ground invasion. But if the recent... Past as any guide, the administration will soon be under pressure from European and Arab allies to call on Israel to end the military operation. Doing so now would be diplomatically delicate for the administration. Hamas rejected the Egyptian-negotiated ceasefire offer and continued to fire rockets into Israel on Tuesday, claiming the first Israeli life in the most recent conflict. But a broader Israeli operation and an attendant spike in Palestinian casualties could quickly add pressure on the Obama administration to demand an end to the assault, 
whether heated or not by an Israeli government with a historically uneasy relationship with President Obama. That's a recent article in the Washington in the Washington Post that was actually posted this morning. Uh, meanwhile, in Israel, or I should say, yeah, in Israel, at least four rockets were intercepted by the Iron Dome over the greater Tel Aviv area on Wednesday in the barrage of projectiles launched from the Gaza Strip. In addition to Tel Aviv and its surroundings, the brace of rockets set off code red rocket alert sirens in Ashdod, Herzliya, Ramat Hasharon, and Petah Tikva. Two rockets fell in open areas of Dimona, the site of Israel's nuclear reactor. A house in South Tel Aviv was lightly damaged when shrapnel directly hit the home's window and crashed into the courtyard. No injuries were sustained. Rocket fire also targeted Kiryat Gat, where the Iron Dome shot down two rockets. Earlier Tuesday, the Ashkelon area was the target of eight rockets, six of which were intercepted by Iron Dome. The Eshkol Regional Council, which borders Gaza has and has been one of the most often attacked areas, was also targeted by four rockets on Wednesday morning. The rocket fire came as the IDF was expected to expand its bank of targets in Gaza as part of Operation There we go. As part of Operation Protective Edge. JM and the AM on this Wednesday in our three weeks format. We'll speak with our friends from Nefesh Benefesh. This is a, uh, this is a story. The height of what's going on and people traveling to Israel, thank God, and many of them a plane load getting ready to make their next home in Israel. I spoke yesterday with um, with youngsters who are both with uh, Camp Misora on the Nala program in Israel, having a wonderful time, and uh, other youngsters who were part of the OUNCSY, Michlelet, and the uh, Kolel programs, also having a wonderful time. In fact, this is a good opportunity to thank the counselors, the madrichim, the directors, the heads of all these programs that are now in Israel. And some adjustments sometimes have to be made. But they are uh, they are coming through with flying colors in terms of uh, keeping the kids in the midst of amazing activities and wonderful Torah study, and at the same time keeping a very close eye on the safety and security situation. So a, a big, big, big thank you and continued Hatzlacha Rabbah to those who have been uh, really dedicating the first part of their summer, not just to making sure that the kids in Israel are having a good time, but making sure that everything is uh, being done in a very smart and efficient manner. And all who are associated with that whole system, no matter what Israel program there are, it, it happens to be, call uh, kavod. A lot of people are working very hard to make sure the kids have a good time, that they're safe, and that they're uh, occupied with wonderful activities and great Torah study. Wednesday morning with 72 degrees, 96% humidity, winds are west at 2 miles per hour. Morning showers with a high temperature of 82 in our three weeks format, which will continue until Rosh Chodesh Av when we switch into an all-talk format uh, for the remainder of this period of time until Tisha B'Av. Our scheduled trip to Israel is, in fact, uh, right then. We're going to start broadcasting from Israel the Thursday after Tisha B'Av. And as Yossi Baumel mentioned with us on the air, we're going to be in Stay Road Friday, Erev Shabbos Nachamu, 
for what I believe is going to be a historic program uh, as we uh, talk about the summer in Stay Road and also celebrate with our wonderful friends Simon and Dr. Joe a uh, wonderful Hachnasa Sefer Torah celebration in Stay Road, which we'll talk about as we get closer. Uh, meanwhile, we'll concentrate on next week's flight, which is, of course, the Nefesh Benefesh journey to Israel. This is one that um, I am sure the general media is going to find fascinating. How is it possible that parents take their children and that grandparents allow their children and grandchildren at this time to head to Israel not only to visit, but to actually live there, to make a commitment to make their home there? Based on what we're told, nobody has canceled those plans at all. Everyone is uh, full steam ahead, so to speak, when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the big nefesh benefesh flight that's scheduled for this coming Monday. So we will speak to uh, Mark Rosenberg. He's going to be joining us. He heads pre aliyah for nefesh benefesh. He'll join us in the eight o'clock hour. Anxious to get his statements and to just uh, review this whole situation about the incredible commitment that people in North America have made um, to the future of the Jewish people in the state of Israel. I didn't realize that the Shuvu Summer Barbecue is tonight. This is a, Shuvu is a uh, is an amazing organization, as we've pointed out many times, and they continue to build incredible educational institutions in Israel. And they always have an amazing summer barbecue. I always thought it was a little later, but I guess it's tonight. Uh, the Shuvu Summer Barbecue takes place at the home of a Gedalia and the Rachel Weinberger on East 23rd Street in Brooklyn, New York. It is going to be tonight. There'll be valet parking. There'll be a video presentation. And uh, everyone is uh, invited to participate. The guest speaker will be Diane Yonasan Abraham from London. And uh, if you've never been to one of these Shuvu Summer Barbecues, they are not only delicious and a fun event, but they are very, very inspiring. Um, so anybody out there who, uh, who wants information, you could just go to, um, you could just go to the Shuvu. Well, I guess the best thing would be to email them. ShuvuUSA at AOL.com. Shuvu, oh, info, excuse me. Info at ShuvuUSA.org. Info at ShuvuUSA.org. That would be the best way to get last minute information. And again, uh, it's always a, a wonderful event. Uh, this summer barbecue, and uh, you'll have a chance to go and enjoy. 29 minutes after 7 o'clock on this Wednesday morning, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. This specific period of the three weeks seems to imply that throughout the rest of the year, we don't really need to contemplate the Golos and the Chorban, the destruction of the Beis Amigdosh. However, we know that every day we pray in our Tfilos, we say, May our eyes behold your return to Zion. In Berchus Amazon, in the grace after meals, we say, May Hashem have compassion on Zion. On Yom Tov we recall, Because of our sins, we've been exiled from the land. So we do have references throughout the days of the year. To the Chorban Beis Hamikdash, why do we need this special time to remember the Chorban? The Dubna Magid tells of a wealthy merchant who had a son who rebelled against him. The father was compelled to send him away. The son was a big Balgaiva. He was very arrogant. 
and was sure that he was going to be able to manage on his own. He went out into the big world and tried all different types of work. Although the father was very angry at his son, he still loved him, and he would often inquire after his son. He heard that his son was wandering in the city, living from hand to mouth, and he hadn't met with any success. But the father hoped that his son had learned his lesson and had been humbled by the experience and would finally come back home. The father waited to welcome him with open arms. One day, a wealthy merchant who came from the city arrived to discuss business with his father. They discussed their business, and eventually the subject of the son came up. When do you intend to bring your son back home? The father was asked. The father answered, When he's going to ask me forgiveness, I will certainly welcome him back home. The merchant said to him, Let me be the agent for your son. I will apologize and express his remorse and beg you to take him back. The father said, No way. You can't be a messenger, not on behalf of my son and not for me. The merchant said, Why not? You would accept the word of a messenger for other things. True, said the father, but I want to see that my son is truly remorseful for what he did. If he'll come to me and tell me that he wants to begin anew and he regrets the past, I will listen. But right now, you don't represent him. You come to me on a business matter, and you just happen to ask me about my son. Similarly, says the Dubno Magid, every day in our tefillahs, we ask for good health and for livelihood. Incidentally, we also recall the Golos and the Chorban. We remember to tack it onto our tefillahs at the beginning or at the end. However, that's not enough. Such a tefillah is not what's required. Therefore, our sages establish the three weeks so that we can specifically focus on the Chorban and its effects. We concentrate fully on the meaning of our tefillahs for the Geula, for the redemption. Then our Father in Heaven will welcome and accept our tefillahs and return to Shechina to Tzion. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day.
as we focus so much during these times on the Holy Land, before that, Mivan Siach. You know who I did that Mivan Siach for? A lot of people, I'm not kidding, I, I spoke to someone in the industry last night uh, as we were um, starting Mincha, and a lot of people got married Monday night. <laughs> so there's Shevabra, a lot of Shevabrachas going on during the three weeks. And uh, we played that Nivan Siach for all the very recent Hassanim and Kalas out there who are um, what we like to call a recently engaged couple. Well, there is a uh, there is a uh, an acapella selection that we introduced to you, I don't know, must be a month ago or so. And then I forgot that it was an acapella selection. And, uh, and then um, Avi Koplowitz and Yoel Margulies uh, reminded me that the Bike for High anthem for this summer as the big race approaches is, in fact, an a cappella selection from our friends at A.K.A. Pella. Remember this when we first introduced it? We're riding tomorrow at 5 a.m.? Are you crazy? Yeah. Okay. That's what I said. <laughs> I think that was the first thing I said to Yoel and to, uh, and to Avi. I don't mind getting up to do a radio show early in the morning, but to go ride 
hundreds of miles? I don't know. With us live via telephone, the man responsible for the bike for Chai coordinates the whole thing. And that is uh, Yoel Margulies. And uh, joining him, one of the most uh, prominent riders and somebody who works like crazy to make this event a success, that's Avi Koplowitz. Gentlemen, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning. Thank you so much, Michael. <laughs> Good morning. Thank you for having us back. I can't shake the whole idea, as they say in the song, of getting up early, getting set to ride hundreds of miles. And what's incredible about this whole thing, and there's a major announcement that Avi made public yesterday and that we're going to discuss here on the air during this conversation, what's amazing is how many people have followed suit are doing what you're recommending, are raising money in association with this whole effort. It's just incredible. How many riders are we up to? What, what's the story right now with Bike for Chai, Yoel? We're, we're holding at about 340, 345 riders. Can I, assu- like can I assume it's a record for the event? It is, it's a record. This is, yeah, last year was our, last year was our biggest and we had 292. Gosh. And now we just jumped at another 50 riders. So. Uh, what do you think? Will there be any more last minute additions or that's it? Uh, this is uh, we're, we're we're basically closed down. <laughs> we're basically closed down at this point. <laughs> uh, too, I, many, too many last minute you know logistics and everything. The rooming, the the every you name it, registration bags. Got to make sure every guy is really taken care of properly. So, hey Avi, was anybody caught in the big downpour yesterday as they were training for the event? I'm not sure. I think you all would have a better idea of that. Um, he speaks to many of the riders on a daily basis. Um, I'm not as in touch with as many riders as Yoel is, so he would have that answer. All right, uh, Yoel, you didn't hear about any horror stories in training I didn't yesterday. hear about any horror stories, <laughs> but I did hear about one rider who was out there in the race. That Are you serious? Was, but thank God it wasn't a horror story. He was, it was short towards the end of his, he had done a 50-mile route, and it was right towards the end of it. He just had like that last that last stretch to get home, and he said the, the sky just opened up. No, they certainly did. It's one way to cool off during a uh, during a long ride, huh? That's one way to cool That's off. That's definitely true. Not something you want to happen on the ride itself, but definitely one way to get cool. Yeah, could you imagine? Oh, I'm not going to say anything. Let's could not you even <laughs> That'll be a ride they'll be talking about for a while. All right. Uh, that'll be last year's day, too. Avi, Avi, why don't you uh, tell our audience about the big announcement that you made public yesterday? Regarding the threshold we surpassed? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, the milestone that you collectively, all the riders together, surpassed, it's pretty amazing, though. We actually, I, I think I checked this morning, we actually surpassed 2.6 million at this point. In other words, at yeah, some point during the middle of this week, you figured it would make it to the $2.5 million mark, and now you're telling us that it's already over 2.6 million. Yesterday, yes. yesterday was a tremendous, tremendous number in fundraising, just like, Speaking to riders and watching as the numbers were going, yesterday alone was, was over one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Why? Why do you think that was? People had spare time on Shivasaratamas <laughs> instead of go, instead of going it, to lunch. You know it could be it could be any number any number of factors, but this is the reality. Right before the end, as we get closer and closer to the event, there also was a, a last minute raffle that we had put in there for guys to you know. As we mentioned in the song, we talk about the dip carbon wheels. So we have one of the, the one of our bike stops, uh, strictly bicycles. They uh, they had donated a, a set of zip carbon wheels, which was upwards of over three thousand dollar value, just for wheels. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, 
they, they, you know, everybody had a, kind of an incentive to get raffle tickets to join in. Oh, that makes sense. All right. I thought it was just people took off their lunch hour because it was a fast day and sat on the computer <laughs> sponsoring people, but I think you have a much better explanation, frankly. <laughs> uh, Avi Koplowitz, Yoel Margulies with us. We will do the song. We'll do the song in its entirety coming up toward the end of the conversation. Tell us about the song. Remind the audience about uh, getting AKA Pella to do it putting in all those themes into that one song and how people could actually download it and, uh, you know, participate in this whole uh, musical aspect of Bike for Chai. That's well, definitely Avi. Avi, that's all you. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, I can, I can say that the song has been very well received both by writers and by general public. Um, iTunes downloads have been a nice number. Most music has been a decent number. Uh, Google Play is, we have no idea because they have, uh, like a two month lag time before they report their sales numbers. So we won't know June sales until August. But all in all, anybody who has heard a song definitely enjoys a song. And, you know, the, the, the primary audience was our ridership. And I, I don't, I haven't heard a, a negative thing from anybody. And I think, um, you know, all the work that went into it definitely has paid off and has become our anthem. Yeah, bottom line, it's a very cute song with a lot of references that people, especially the ones who are riding, are going to find very funny and interesting. Yes, and we it was played by the Women's Ride a couple of weeks ago also, and they, they, they liked it very much as well. All right, so a.k.a. Pella, they came through. They came through for Bike for High. Absolutely. We had a nice conversation with C.D. Eichler here in the studio, you'll recall, and uh, I think he was very proud of the effort. It came out really nicely. All right, everybody, you'll you'll hear it in just a few minutes. And, uh, again, uh, the best way to download? Is iTunes the best way to download it? Uh, iTunes, Google Play. They, they all work. On the website, if you go to the Bike for High website, uh, right on the home page, if you scroll down a little bit, it's all right there, bikeforhigh.com. And you have all the links right there to be able to download. All right, Yoel, what do people need to know? Obviously, you're at a great number already. You want to see it climb. Everybody wants to support the incredible Chai Lifeline Camp Simcha. Um, uh, what do people need to do? Basically, just go to the website and be as generous as possible? That's the, that's the idea. That's the idea. Find your friends. You know, with 350 riders within the, you know, within the Jewish world, you've got to know somebody there. So go to bikeforchai.com and, you know, click on the sponsor, rider, and, and and choose your friend. And if you want to just gener- generally sponsor Bike for Chai and Chai Lifeline, you can do that as well. But uh, I'm sure there's somebody there you know, and you could donate very generously. It's two days. It's 180 miles. As we say, it's over 400 kids up at Camp Simcha, and uh, this fundraising effort is simply amazing. It's called the World's Greatest Finish Line, and in addition to the audio song that we keep recommending from AKA Pella, we're also recommending you watch the videos online, which you'll find at Bike for Chai, which shows you what it's like when these gentlemen pull into camp and are greeted by staff and campers up at Camp Simcha, um, you know, if I'd ask you to describe it, you'd say you're speechless when it comes to that anyway, so it doesn't even pay. <laughs> but if people... but I would like to mention yeah. something, Nachum, if, if I may. If I may, I would like to mention, you know, there was uh, just, it was, it was an idea that was brought to me, brought forward to me by the riders themselves, and uh, we've put it into play, and I've been, I've been very, not just, not surprised, but, you know, just, uh, it's always so nice to see. But, you know, knowing that we've dealt with so many tragedies within, you know, within Klaisal now and uh, with the Israeli teenagers that were killed, the solution for those children, for those teenagers, falls out on Bikes for High. Mm. And the, the riders themselves, why don't we do a collective field? Why don't we make something and uh, collectively 
finish Shas. Adding a Torah study component to Bike for Chai. What? Adding, adding a Torah study component to Bike for Chai. It's amazing. That is correct. I put up a link on Friday, and we pretty much have almost all of all of Shas Shas Mishnayos um, already taken. This gets done when everyone gathers air of the ride. And this will get done in there, exactly, by the by the pomegranate pasta party over there. That's where we're going to have it. That'll be Tuesday evening. Tuesday evening. This is the way to start it off. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you just heard what you all said. The uh, three Israeli teenagers, their memory is going to be commemorated in a collective seal. That night, Tuesday night, when the cyclists get together for Bike for Chai for the two-day Wednesday-Thursday trip, Tuesday night they get together for the big pasta party. And uh, that's taken care of by pomegranate. And this group of over 300 Jewish cyclists uh, basically are uh, studying Mishnayis, Shisha, Sidre, Mishnah together uh, between now and then, Lazech and Nishmas, Eyal, Gilad, and Naftali. And that will be commemorated in the Big Seum on Tuesday evening. It's amazing how you continue to add not just funds, but different components to make this race even more special. Really is incredible. Uh, it came from them. It came. It was really it was from the riders themselves approaching me, and it, uh, just just like that. Well, there you have it, Avi. How's the training going? Um, it's it's going. It's <laughs> it, it's it's a little scary how close we are to actual ride date, but uh, doing what I can. Yeah. Well, you and all the other riders, I'm sure. <laughs> I hope everyone's preparing properly. There may be some riders out there that are neglecting what you're supposed to be doing two weeks before. You know what I mean? That is possible in our community. <laughs> very possible, very possible. But for that, we're gonna, for that, we'll make sure we have plenty of support vehicles along the way. I was That's... thinking maybe I was thinking maybe this year I should have like maybe a paddy wagon that like, picks up the guys. You know, <laughs> That's what you get for not training. <laughs> as long as there's room for the bikes, I guess that should be all right. Um, all right, and everybody out there, you are encouraged as we do every summer to support the effort. Uh, go to Bike for Chai, go to the website, and uh, literally uh, you'll see the types of uh, of donations that are coming in and how they've reached this incredible level of $2.6 million at this point. And they would like to uh, to break all records this year and make this the most successful Bike for Chai ever. And to, uh, to all these riders, it, it's just amazing. I don't know how you guys have attracted so many people to undertake this, to participate, and really do something that's so incredible. Uh, it's just amazing. And to everybody out there in the community, I hope they appreciate and understand how important it is. We will wrap up with the song, with the Bike for High anthem done by A.K.A. Pella, with a reminder that people uh, through Google Play and through iTunes and all the other platforms, if you go to Bike for High website, you can actually download this yourself. And you can blare it in your ears, in your earbuds, as you are uh, as you're riding and practicing uh, for either the big race or any other exercise you might be doing. Uh, Avi, any last-minute uh, advice you want to give everybody out there? Anything you want to tell us? Um, just a uh, high lifeline. Everybody at this point knows how phenomenal organization it is, and just support as much as you can, any way you can. And if you can give a nicer, larger amount for riders, just download the song. It's only 99 cents. That also, those proceeds go to High Lifeline as well. Yeah, it's only a buck, everybody. Do it. Uh, it's a good it's a good cause for sure. Uh, Yoel, anything else we need to know in terms of the uh, procedural stuff for two weeks from now? I think we're good to go enough. I mean, it's beyond a pleasure every time you, you have us on. I really appreciate it. I appreciate I, it. I definitely appreciate it, and, uh, you know, me personally as well, so... Well, I thank you very much for that. There's a lot of excitement out there. There are people who are very anxious to see how it goes and to watch their friends and family accomplish so much for High Lifeline in those two days. Good luck, gentlemen. We'll be in touch and encourage everybody to keep giving. 
Thank you very much. Yoel Margulies, Avi Kaplowitz, uh, many of you are familiar with their incredible work with Bike for Chai. And um, <laughs> it's really, uh, it's been an incredible effort, to say the least. Um, an incredible effort to uh, get these uh, amazing people to make a commitment to be part of this Bike for Chai, and they deserve all the credit in the world. JM and the AM, as we get set to continue on this uh, Sphere of Format, on this Sphere of Format, um, a Wednesday morning, I want to remind everybody that our stream is on all day long in a cappella format, which is pretty amazing, I'll tell you. A lot of people have expressed uh, great joy. They're very happy that now we have uh, made a commitment uh, to play that a cappella music for them all through the day on jmandam.org. So make sure to check it out. Usually the top nine at nine follows us at nine o'clock on, uh, at nine o'clock on, um, both Tuesday night and, and follows us on Wednesday morning. The, uh, nine at nine essentially has been postponed till after Tisha B'Av and then will return. Bike for a Chai is on the air with AKA Pella at JM in the AM. We're riding tomorrow at 5 a.m.? Are you crazy? Yeah. Okay, I'm in. Hey, does anyone have a spare clip bar? I forgot mine at home. Worn down, my heart is aching, stuck here. I can't take the weight and deep sigh, praying to let me go. Line. That's why I'm biking for
Nothing's gonna stop me this time That's why I'm biking for a high Pushing together as one A united peloton To the world's greatest finish line That's why we're biking for a high Dude, Simcha just got another KOM The guy is a monster Did you hear? Slow-mo switch from skating on eight wheels to a brand new penny dogma. Nice. Are you going to be using your second bottle? Mine is already empty. moment, I'll tell you. Watch those videos, Bike for Chai getting to Camp Simcha. They're at $2.6 million, and they want to see, and we want to see that number grow throughout the entire summer, especially now in the two weeks before the big Bike for Chai. Thanks to Yoel and to uh, Avi for joining me here at JM in the AM. That song was done by AKA Pella, and specifically, so they had a uh, an acapella selection. Uh, Bike for Chai would have an acapella selection for the summer months. Or I should say for the three weeks. Two minutes before 8 o'clock, we'll check in soon with our friends from Nefesh Benefesh. Flight leaves Monday, and everyone's going. It's amazing. Uh, I have regards from uh, those who I've spoken to in the Holy Land this morning. Some youngsters who are having the time of their life on the uh, OU-NCSY programs and the Camp Masora program. Um, a lot of great people, Madrichim, leaders, coordinators on this side of the ocean and that side of the ocean who are working very hard to make sure the summer goes safely, smoothly, and it's as fun as possible. And kolakavod to all of them. Um, it's a good time to show solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Israel. If you have trips planned to Israel, we encourage you to keep those trips planned and uh, to keep the corridor of activity and travel between the New York and New Jersey area and the state of Israel as active as possible during this very challenging summer. Another rough day in the Holy Land in terms of uh, rockets coming from Gaza. Let's keep our brothers and sisters at the forefront of our hearts and minds. As we say, this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored 
WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. From the Jerusalem Songs CD done by Suki and Ding specifically for the three weeks. It's Imeshkachich Yerushalayim here at JM in the AM. Well, lots of stuff going on during this uh, summer of 2014, and um, many of you have probably have probably seen the big announcement about the Home Run Heroes game, which is taking place Wednesday night, one week from tonight. 
in uh, Brooklyn, New York. The Home Run Heroes is a softball game, an unforgettable game that features Flatbush Hatsala against the NYPD. Happens Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m., a week from tonight, at MCU Park on Surf Avenue, the home of the Brooklyn Cyclones. Naftali Solomon, one of the coordinators of the entire event, is with us live via telephone. Good morning, Naftali. Good morning, Nachum. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Nice to speak with you. I love when the unforgettable Home Run Heroes game comes around, and we're hoping for great weather and a wonderful time for everybody on Wednesday night. In fact, we're going to be webcasting. The Nachum Siegel Network will actually have a webcast with brilliant play-by-play man Robert Katz taking care of all the action when Atsala meets the NYPD. By the way, Naftali Solomon, if you don't mind, you're probably one who has never actually watched the game, right? You're so busy during the game, you've probably never watched the game. Am I right? Unfortunately, it's true. There's yeah. a lot of last-minute details, getting people the seats, getting the food in order. The reason I but say that is I be- managed to find some time to get out to the game, and it's, it's, it's fantastic to see so many different uh, sides of, of the from world coming, Hasidish, Litvish, um, you name it, with yamas, no yamas, it's, it's a sense of achdus when everybody comes down to support a local hatzala, uh, a local organization that benefits from the proceeds from this game. The reason I bring it up is because I made a prediction that I never stop uh, gloating about. You may recall, maybe you saw the end of this game, you may recall a few years back, Flapush Hatzala actually beat the NYPD. Do you remember that? I remember that. About they're still, they're still celebrating on flowers. About five seconds after that game, I turned to my colleagues in the broadcast booth, and I said, "I will guarantee everybody in this booth the following: <laughs> Never again will the NYPD lose to Flatbush Hatzala. They will do everything in their power to bring whoever they have to bring to win this game." And am I right that since then the NYPD has emerged victorious? Sometimes you see these uh, police people that are the police uh, men that are playing, and you realize I remember seeing them on TV playing at one of the Yankees. Isn't that? They have red ringers all the time. I mean, they will do whatever is that. There's no way that. The, well, who knows? You never know. Last year was actually a pretty close game. I think, except for a couple of uh, a couple of errors in the field, it would have been even closer. So you never know. Flatbush Hatzala. Uh, they may be the underdogs, maybe they're not, who knows, but they are going to give a tremendous battle to the NYPD on the softball field this coming Wednesday night, that's for sure. It's the event of the summer. I see you have wonderful sponsors. Uh, people could purchase tickets at a whole bunch of locations in uh, Brooklyn and the five towns. I mean, what, 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 who do you want to hear from? I'm sure you want to hear from some day camp coordinators, uh, synagogues, people who want to bring groups, right? You want this place filled up at MCU Park for the NYPD Otsola game. Well, we're usually filled up, um, and we what we love is the camps to come. We love for the kids to get there and to, to cheer on their their favorite team, which I'm sure is Atzala. Yeah, um, they can have a fantastic night. There's kosher food there. It's kosher. It's a kosher night out that most most of the time you do not have in the Brooklyn area, and it, it really is great. The weather was should be fantastic, as you said. Uh, I think it was last year we had a rain date, but still the next time almost filled to capacity. The weather was beautiful. It was a great, great game. Everybody walked away with a feeling of a sense of pride, a sense of accomplishment, and a, a sense of happiness that they that they participated in this wonderful event. When the weather is good at MCU Park, it is one of the most fabulous views you'll ever see. And, and when, the breeze that comes from the ocean, 
Unbelievable. It is amazing. It really is. It's a, for those who love baseball, if you love that whole experience, folks, and if you just love getting together for a great cause and seeing two wonderful organizations that are always there for our community, competing with each other in a friendly manner on the field, you'll, you'll just love the night. There's great kosher food, lots of wonderful sponsors. In fact, I can't go through all of them because there's so many, thank God. But if you look at your local papers and on the web, you will see uh, how many local sponsors and uh, you know general uh, sponsors have participated in the event. It begins at 6.30. Is first pitch really going to be 6.30 Wednesday night? It's Jewish time, so 6.33. <laughs> if it's Jewish time, it would be a lot later than that. Uh, <laughs> it is called... Do you want to give away uh, a family pack? Oh, we could do that. I'll do that before the end of the show today. We'll give out a nice family pack of tickets for some lucky listeners out there. What are we calling a family pack, by the way? Some Brooklyn families, that could be 10 tickets, you know. Well, if they're from Williamsburg, make it 15. <laughs> if they're from the west side, make it 3. <laughs> okay, and you're just kidding, of course. Of course. Uh, it's a family pack of 10, no matter who calls. Nice. If you want to bring your family, you want to bring your friends, you want to bring your coworkers. My guess. All right, so we will do that coming up uh, on this uh, radio show. It all starts at 6.30 on Wednesday night, July 23rd, the annual Hatsullah versus NYPD game. It's at MCU Park. First pitch, 6.30 officially. Information, I should give out this 516 number? Yes. The uh, information number is 516-459-9534. That's 516-459-9534. You can also email Heroes. At yahoo.com, home run heroes at yahoo.com. Game is a week from tonight, 6.30 p.m. at MCU Park. I think we'll begin our coverage slightly after 6 p.m. on our stream on the Nahum Siegel Network, slightly after 6 p.m. with Robert Katz doing our play-by-play. Only the best for you guys, Naftali. We're giving you our absolute best play-by-play man in the industry to do the game. I'm honored. I hope you'll be walking around with the NSN app tuned in as you're running around the stadium that night. It will be tuned to that that and that only. I certainly hope so. All right, uh, we'll do the tickets a little later on, a family pack that you're offering, and uh, good luck. I hope everybody responds, comes out to the game, and enjoys a great night. Kudos to both NYPD and Hatsala. Naftali, tell them we hope the best team wins. Thank you very much, Nachum. I'll see you next Wednesday. Bezrat Hashem. There you go, folks. Getting ready for some hometown heroes action. Or I should say home run heroes action. Robert Katz will have the play-by-play. I am scheduled to be there with him. I will try not to ruin the broadcast. When he does play-by-play, it is melodious. It is wonderful. It is comforting. That's what it is. It's summer comfort when he, when he does softball or baseball play-by-play. So I will try not to get in the way, as they say. Uh, next Wednesday night. And who knows? We may have some surprise uh, broadcasters with him. You never know. It should be a lot of fun. ZK will be there. He'll be engineering for us. It'll all be on the stream. I'm sure we will be uh, tossing out some social media stuff on Twitter and Facebook. Come on out to the game. It's always a lot of fun. And you can actually sit at the game with the NSN app and listen to the broadcast. How cool is that? More coming up. This is JM in the AM. <laughs>
Wednesday, 
Hope your fast was fast yesterday. <laughs> well, I um, I don't know if it's ever happened with this type of speed before. We could ask Mark Rosenberg. Uh, the Nefesh Benefesh flight leaves on Monday, and I'll be on it. Don't panic. Don't panic. Or I shouldn't say don't panic. Don't jump to conclusions. Uh, I'll be with Nefesh Benefesh on Monday. Uh, but more so to, uh, to see firsthand how incredible this journey is going to be for hundreds of people who are going to be heading to Israel during this time. And of course to show solidarity with them and our brothers and sisters in Israel. Um, this is not an official Aliyah trip for me. For everybody else on the plane, it's going to be an official Aliyah trip. Mark Rosenberg is director of a pre-Aliyah for Nefesh Benefesh. He speaks to us today from the holy city of Jerusalem. Mark Rosenberg, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good morning. You've never done a turnaround like this where somebody contacted you on a Wednesday and they ended up being on Monday's flight moving to Israel. That's never happened that quickly. It has never happened that quickly. Um, what would be the quickest? The, I think the quickest turnaround I, I think I've heard about in my five-plus years working here is about three weeks. Wow. Um, uh, and it was uh, I actually was greeting that person. It was quite remarkable. So they lit- what, what, They didn't decide in three weeks. They just you know made the final decision. Yeah, I understand that. Well, as you always say, everybody's always in pre-Aliyah mode, right? Yes, they are. <laughs> Latent or uh, conscious at different points. So you're telling me that they decided... Was this a family or a single that you cite? Um, it was a single. It was a single, okay. So that single individual made a decision and three weeks later was living in the state of Israel. Correct. Well, there's two things that, you know, the big factors for people is one is the technical bureaucratic process, um, which many people worry and freak out about. And then there's the second part is the actual planning of where you're going to live and what are you going to do and how you're going to earn your money. Right. So, and sometimes people make that a little more abstract. So this person had already begun the process, most of the processing and had the essential documents together and was um, slower to move forward with his plans. And it just seemed to sink and concretize for him. Like, oh my goodness, I think I can find a job here. It's really great. I should do it. And, and just the window opened up and they called us up and the Jewish agency was able to, you know, expedite the processing and give him his, give him his approval. And there was availability on a flight uh, two and a half weeks later, and he uh, arrived. So, so play this out with me, Mark Rosenberg. It became official about 5 a.m. Eastern time this morning that I'll be on Monday's flight to Israel. And already, as you know, half my family is in Israel this summer. So if I decided right now, if I said to you this moment that on Monday's flight I actually wanted to move to Israel, what would your reaction be? First of all, it would be fantastic, and we'd love we'd love to have you, and we would welcome you with open arms. Um, the big thing I would tell you, if you want to do it that quickly, you have to bring the documents with you, and you'll, we'd be able to guide you um, to change your status here in Israel. Um, it's it's it is something that if you have your 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 passport and the letters proving you're Jewish, and you know your birth certificate, marriage certificate, all the necessary documents, usually at the quickest pace might take about six to seven weeks from the moment you have your meeting to authenticate and uh, determine your eligibility to when you when you can get approved and, and you can be flying a week later. Is this a, non- so, is this a non-recommended forum to inform my uh, wife, parents, and in-laws about the move? Is this, a, is this a bad way to do it? 
I, I've had a lot of experience uh, in counseling people, and I would have to say yes. It would probably be uh, more of a discreet thing that you'd like to do and uh, encourage your shalom by to make sure so, that you discuss so that as, privately before you announce it. So as much as you look forward to welcoming me on Monday, and I hope you do, and I look forward to seeing you, you're not recommending that this Wednesday to Monday decision would be optimal. You would not say that this that this would be the best in my situation. It should be at the right time um, with the right people. Um, it, has, it has to be something that is really uh, planned, and I think we stress that here at Nefesh Benefesh. Um, again, uh, one of the most pr- uh, statistics we're most proud of here is that uh, those people are making Aliyah from North America, there's a 90% chance you'll still be living in Israel uh, two or three years later, wow. as opposed to when my wife's family moved in the 80s and it was like 50-50. Right. It's because people are planning. It's not, a, it's not like, wow, I really want to go. Um, I'm just going to go there and live there. Right. Um, and I think I, it's something that I, everyone is probably uh, checking the news and their fingers are getting tired of clicking that refresh button on, on those, those Israeli news websites. Right. Uh, we, are, we, are, we are getting excited for this charter flight next week, and, so, and no one has deferred their Aliyah plans since the, the news has been broken about the, this uh, Israeli operation and the rocket attacks. So these people have been planning for a long time. So it's amazing to see that their, their plans are moving forward because it's not a spontaneous decision. If it was a vacation, you weren't sure if you were going to go to Florida or Arizona, or, then it's something, oh, uh, maybe I should push it off to another time. These are, these are well-planned ideas. So therefore, uh, a turnaround on Monday to make this uh, dream decision to make Aliyah might be uh, a little bit fast. Understood. Mark Rosenberg is with us, <sighs> director of Pre-Aliyah. Um, it may make it even more difficult for observers like myself um, normally it's, uh, you know, a strange feeling being greeted at the airport as, as heroes. And of course, you know, uh, only 99% uh, of the people who are coming off the plane are actual heroes. Uh, but in this case, it's heroes who have made a decision uh, to come and have maintained that decision through a difficult time, as you just noted. Uh, it's going to make the celebration in Ben Gurion Airport, I would assume, even more celebratory, even more significant, probably with a lot more media attention. If I recall, some of the Nefesh Benefesh charter flights from years ago, when there were some rough summers, even the media here, Jewish and not, takes a strong interest in Kennedy Airport in the group that's going. Are you anticipating that Monday that this group is going to get a lot of attention? I, I think it will. Um, it, it, there's a lot of talk, and if I, a lot, I, I measure a lot of talk that people come up to me in shul or, or around my community to notice that last week there was a flight of 61 Olim that landed, um, and it was just a group flight. You know, it wasn't a full plane load, but it was on the news, and people saw that the pictures, and this one, this one young lady moved to Beersheba. Um, there was a lot of positive noise and sharing um, about this smaller group of people. So I think it's a situation when you have a plane load of new immigrants that is, that is choosing to come at this difficult time. It sends, sends such a positive, strong message of hope and optimism, that people are, are, are attracted to talk about it. It's, it's something that, that stirs that conversation. And I know that the Olim Chadashim do, are very uncomfortable at the word hero. They don't, they don't see themselves as heroes, but I think one nice thing to do is frame it as a heroic decision. Right. They, because they, they really see this as something very natural for them to do, something that, you know, it's been part of things, their, their youth groups, part of their communities, part of sometimes joining family here. Um, so they feel it's, it's definitely a sense of it's a heroic decision to come in a difficult time. And I think that's what um, a lot of journalists and a lot of uh, people who are reading these blogs and posts 
are, are so eager to digest uh, such such a positive message. By the way, and we should make this point because I'm sure people are curious. When we say nobody has canceled their plans, or at least nobody has postponed, you know, to go on a different flight, different time, etc., for this coming Monday, I would assume that some of that has occurred in the past, right? You've had episodes where people hesitated, may have either pushed it off or made other decisions, right? I mean, you're comparing it to times when when these things might might have happened, correct? Correct. Uh, just to just to uh, compare it to last summer, there was a foreign ministry strike. Uh, which was a different uh, true drama for uh, right. the Nefesh Benefesh team to to work with. So you had people saying, "Oh my goodness, well I have this coming up. Uh, I have to I have to push it off." It's natural for 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 you know sometimes emergencies to come up for people. We've had a few calls of people who have had you know hesitations or just questions, but it's amazing for the 230 Olim who are sitting on this plane. Uh, nothing seems to be budging because we're calling them actively to make sure that it's right. a go. Because there might be, if some, you know, some two people cancel, we might be able to fill it up with two other people. Right. There, there is, there is a, uh, there is an overflow of people who are, are interested. It's getting too close to those people might fly a few days later, but it, it is it's just remarkable that we were uh, a week before. Are we making sure we have these seats full? That there's such a, I think, a unity uh, amongst amongst the people making Aliyah, that this is not something that they are today are pushing off. There's, the, the word solidarity comes up a lot, not just solidarity with. Uh, the people of Israel this time, but amongst this decision, they they feel very shalem and complete about it, and uh, it it's, it's give, it gives the staff here tremendous strength as well. I'll ask you about statistics. You always have interesting stuff to tell us about each individual summer, and we'll find out in a moment what the summer of 2014 brings in terms of North American Aliyah. And, and not to put you on the spot, but do you have any clue in terms of Monday's flight, the percentage of people from the New York, New Jersey area? And the percentage from other areas of the country, you have any idea what that might be? Sure. I actually will tell you, I have it open right here in a second. Um, I mean, generally speaking, the pool of Olim each year that come from the, uh, the greater New, uh, New York, New Jersey area, I like to say New Jersey first because it's my home state, <laughs> um, is, uh, is almost a little more than 50% than all, uh, than all of Olim. Okay, so half um, and half is basically. such a large uh, concentration of uh, Jews that are living there, that it really makes up uh, a huge percentage of the Olim each year. Right. So for this um, for this flight, I'm looking at the, all of the uh, we we refer to them as nifashot that are here. That's right. After all, it's nefesh benefesh. Uh, right? It's or is is that breakdown? I think that it is. Uh, we do have a bunch of people from California. Wow. Uh, I see that there is a, a family from Delaware that is coming. Uh, there's a few families from Florida and Chicago, from Chicago, from uh, Illinois. So there is a spread up, but it seems to be at least uh, about 50 percent from the, the New York, New Jersey area, Connecticut counting counting into that. Just amazing, Mark Rosenberg from Jerusalem, Nefesh Benefesh. Their first charter flight of the summer. Their group flights, have, you know, are always going. Their first charter flight of the summer this Monday. I'm honored. Uh, to be part of it, to witness everything, and to see this incredible miracle of uh, North American Aliyah, especially during these times. Any other uh, interesting things about this summer that comes to mind, or any trends you want to tell us about that would be interesting to the listeners? Um, first of all, um, there's a lot of talk uh, about lone soldiers. Right. Um, uh, we our, our August charter is going to have about 110 uh, soldiers on it so far. Um, so there's a lot of talk about the people who are who are getting ready to um, go into the army. Um, so there's a lot of just outpouring of support for them and and those who are currently serving. 
Um, we also have a program uh, that I should have, we have. We also work with the Jewish Agency for a program called Opanetzion that brings young professionals to Israel and, and start uh, jumpstart their, jumpstart their careers with the intensive Opan. Um, it's a really great way to uh, integrate and be able to have a soft landing for five months, um, and then be able to transition to work. So that's uh, there's at least about 40 people um, coming. I think about at least 20 of them are on our flight in July to head to that program. Uh, the, the biggest trend, is, as we usually talk about, this, is singles. That we right. see it as a growing, growing interest of singles between the ages of 20 and 30. Um, I guess now we call them millennials, because that's the, the, the big intern to refer to them, right. um, who are coming. They've either spent time in Israel studying at a program at a university or in yeshiva seminary, and they're coming back after college and taking, taking advantage of the free degree. The government has, as opposed to previous summers, where there's been a question of whether they're going to continue that um, assistance, it's been guaranteed, so like people are getting ready for after Sukkot to start their studies. So there's uh, over a 1,000 singles who are anticipated coming into uh, 2014 in, the, in this demographic, um, and they are going to Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, and it seems like the more and more we talk to our post-Aliyah department, the, the numbers of these millennials seems to be growing and growing. Unbelievable. Uh, maybe I'm concluding this only because of the numbers that you just mentioned regarding lone soldiers in the August flight. Families in general want to get to Israel in July? They want to get there as soon as possible to settle in before the school year starts and everything? Or it's basically, you know, 50-50 in terms of July and August? Um, it's uh, it's really 50-50. I think it's like, uh, I'd say like 65% of all all North American Olim come in the months of July and August. Uh. So July is more popular so in general. Like I have this. I have a chart uh, on my computer. It's like a huge bell curve when it comes to July and August, and goes down afterwards. <laughs> um, some I like to refer to them empty nesters, and you know, students and younger couples will float in around around the year. Right. But we're going to see um, somewhere close to almost 900 Olim coming in the month of August, and a, a good a good 700 in the month of July. So the last two weeks in Israel are, are, are like schools. Schools are just about getting ready, and, and there's no, no, no day camps. So people really try and get here by August uh, 14th. So August uh, between, the, between these two charters on July 21st and August 11th is like the prime time to come. So planted this year right in between the Tisha B'Av, so that's one of the factors that we actually have this charter flight, you know, in the beginning of the three weeks to make sure that people will be able to get here and get settled. You're speaking to us from work in Jerusalem. Do you live in Jerusalem as well? I do. I do. I married a Jerusalemite, so uh, it's we're, we're we're planted here. So, how would you describe uh, the last couple of weeks? I mean. Uh... Everyone I and I've spoken to a lot of people in Israel. Oh, and by the way, my relatives in Israel say I could actually now legally talk about what the situation in Israel because I have my kids there this summer. So you know, now now all of a sudden, you know, I I have more of a uh, of a voice, I guess, in terms of the situation there. But how would you describe what's been going on? Uh, it does seem, as I converse with people in Israel, that there's a lot of you know, life as usual, there may be some interruptions and more tension than usual, but uh, to a large degree, there's a lot of life as usual. Am I right or wrong? Yeah. Well, first I want to say that you, you have a voice to speak up, even if you don't have a direct <laughs> relative living here, because, you know, it is really the connection of Am Yisrael and Eretz Israel. so I think it's important to say that. Um, I, I would say it's very um, intense. Uh, there's definitely, living in Jerusalem, people always say there's an intensity to it, a special intensity to the city, um, so much so that there's, you know, an illness called Jerusalem Syndrome. Right. But uh, the intensity is felt a lot about people constantly checking their news and making sure that they uh, understand um, if there is a need to go to a shelter or not. 
But, but with that said, uh, summer camp has continued for my son, and you know, we, there's a, this new sprinkler park um, outside the old city walls that I took my children to on Friday, um, and going out to res- a restaurant with an old friend who's visiting with his family um, this week. So th- there is a continuity, but there's a, 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 a sense of uh, intense unity and making sure that people are aware. I think that uh, it's important to say this because I'm not a politician, and I, I, my mom calls me up and says, you know, what's going to happen? I'm like, the prime minister hasn't called me to you know, <laughs> tell me the secret plan to invade or not invade. But there's a, there's a trepidation that people are, are worried about the future and are worried about their friends who might go serve. And that causes people to just be a little more cautious and, you know, ask, how are you? And that intensity is, I think, uh, causing people to do really good things for each other and be, be better citizens. And with that, I think, you know, that's what you've become, what I've become accustomed to in different seasons living here. Right. Oh, um, well. And I think that awareness um, just gives us a greater sense of unity. And one more thing I'd say to that is I think that was one of the outcomes after the, the very tragic kidnapping of, of those three boys. Um, was that you know, there needed to be positive things that happened to people, yep. and some, something that is done to you know, respond to um, badness with good. And people are continuing that message by making sure that you know, the soldiers have enough food or people whose husbands are missing, they're able to, you know, to help pick up and you know, send meals over to people. Uh, so that positive energy is trying to make sure that uh, intensity here doesn't become uh, too heavy. No question as we continue to pray for the safety and security of our brothers and sisters in Israel and pray for Shalom Shalva, uh for the peace that we so long for uh, in the Holy Land. Uh, Mark Rosenberg, I look forward to uh, seeing you and to being part of this uh, yet another incredible mission of uh, Nefesh B'Nefesh and, uh, and to associate this coming Monday with people who've made heroic decisions, as you just pointed out. Mm-hmm. And uh, they should be commended for that. And I look forward to telling them that in person. Thank you so much for joining us. And call kavod to Nefesh B'Nefesh and for all you're doing in the state of Israel and for the future of the Jewish people. Thank you. Hoping to share a quieter but um, a better times. Amen. Mark Rosenberg from Nefesh B'Nefesh. Monday, I will be with them on the flight uh, after JM and the AM, I'll be heading to the airport, be with them on the flight on Monday uh, to be with those people that have made this historic and heroic decision for the summer of 2014. And I will be uh, more than anxious to share some of those tales and some of those encounters with you right here at JM and the AM. <laughs>
great way to wrap up our conversation regarding Nefesh B'Nefesh and the um, the big flight Monday. Lamana Chai Mishorim Choir in a three weeks format Tuesday, uh, Wednesday here at JM in the AM. 8.37, 23 minutes before 9 o'clock on this Wednesday broadcast with 72 degrees, morning showers and a high temperature of 82. Itamar Marcus is with us live via telephone. He is founder and director of an organization that has a very interesting name, Palestinian Media Watch. It's um, He's one of the foremost authorities on Palestinian ideology and policy. He was appointed by the Israeli government 15 years ago to represent Israel in negotiations with the PA on incitement. He has presented analyses of Palestinian ideologies and academic, cultural, and government frameworks, including hearings, lectures, and briefings to members of the U.S. Congress and Senate and in many other countries' parliaments. He lectures around the world, gives analysis on CNN, Fox News, BBC, and a full range of world television news. And now he's a guest on JM in the AM. Itamar Marcus, director of Palestinian Media Watch. Welcome to JM in the AM. Uh, thank you. Pleasure to be with you. Um, you, you got to explain the goal here. Is the goal to literally watch every news source that's coming from the other side, so to speak, and talk about the accuracy of those news reports or the authenticity of who they're coming from? What is the goal of Palestinian Media Watch? Well, it's, it's actually way, way beyond that. What we're looking at is um, official sources and activities uh, to get a sense of where the Palestinian leadership is leading its people. Uh, and when I say things like activities, for example, we, if we follow the sports pages of the Palestinian Authority newspapers, and we find that they name sporting events as the terrorists who've killed dozens of Israelis. So, for example, the Ministry of Education of the Palestinian Authority-sponsored soccer tournament named the Abdul Basit Udeh Championship Cup. Who is Abdul Basit Udeh? Suicide bomber, blew himself up, killing 31 Israelis um, at the Passover Seder. You might remember that yes, terrible sir. attack a number of years ago. Uh, we've had numerous summer camps named after people like Wafa Idris, who was the first suicide bomber, first female suicide bomber, uh, Dalal Mugrabi, who hijacked the bus and killed 37. So we're looking at activities, 
sponsored by the Palestinian Authority that give us an indication of the messaging and the and the values they're trying to inculcate amongst their population. And what we're finding is, for example, in the sporting page, sports pages, uh, the horrific, horrific messages, horrific role modeling, uh, presenting of those who've killed the largest number of Israelis as the greatest Palestinian heroes. In addition, we, we found things that have become major, major world stories. We discovered a few years ago that the Palestinian Authority gives salaries, pays salaries to every terrorist who's arrested and put in jail. Literally, the day that Israel arrests him, he starts receiving a Palestinian Authority salary. If he's in jail long enough, meaning if he's a criminal who's murdered, a uh, terrorist who's murdered, uh, he can reach up to 12,000 shekel, which is about four times the average Palestinian salary, four times the average Palestinian salary. So you're talking about massive salaries, and when these terrorists get out of jail, they then have a massive amount of money waiting for them. They're Palestinian heroes. Uh, this is an activity. This has nothing to do with us, you know, truth or not truth or, or in, in the media. We're, we're getting a real sense of Palestinian Authority values. It's interesting because, first of all, do you know Arabic? We have eight Arabic language experts uh, in the office. I can imagine. And, and, and when we, and we have one actually Egyptian-born. And when we talk about uh, you know keeping an eye, let's just say for argument's sake, just on the newspapers and the written sources, internet, etc. I would guess you need people who speak not just Arabic but a whole variety of languages in the Middle East. Well, for the if, if we, for the whole Middle East, that's certainly true. We we focus on the Palestinian Authority, ah. uh, and we completely do them. And 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 even for that, we we need many more than the eight people that we have. Uh, we 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 even read their crossword puzzles. And let me give you an example why reading the crossword puzzles. I'm talking now about the crossword puzzles that appear in one newspaper, which is Al Hayat Al which is owned and totally controlled by the official Palestinian Authority government. Give you a crossword puzzle clue. Jewish Center for Commemorating the Holocaust and the Lies. And the solution was Yad Vashem. Right. Uh, we have many clues like uh, um, a modern city in occupied Palestine, and the answer is Tel Aviv. So you see, you're learning their ideology by seeing even their, their crossword puzzle clues coming from the official paper. So we have to check everything out in the paper. We read advertisements. We, we once found an advertisement that the United States government, through USAID, was uh, sponsoring renovations in a school. So far, it sounds very nice. But the school was named the Dalal Mogherbi School. Dalal Mogherbi killed 37 people in a bus hijacking. Yep. So why is the United States government funding uh, the renovations in a school that whole purpose is to glorify terrorism just by the name? And, in fact, 24 hours after we publicized, the State Department uh, canceled the funding of the, uh, of the project. So we even read the advertisements. Uh, in the newspaper where that where we actually found that information so now many of the palestinian authority leaders have facebook pages and have youtube channels so we have to follow them and by the way every example i've told you up till now was fatah and palestinian authorities supposedly the moderates i didn't even start with, <laughs> with hamas which is a whole different ballgame well if this is the case itamar marcus is with us if this is the case then you know if one of the main concerns of the world when it comes to the uh, you know Israeli Arab problem is incitement right if that's one I mean the world should be outraged at the incitement both subtle and direct that you discover on a daily basis you're absolutely correct and and tragically what what happens is the world expresses outrage and then gives the Palestinian Authority another chance to fix it and I say tragically because 
the Palestinian Authority has learned that there is no or very, very little teeth in the warnings coming from the European governments and coming even, for the most part, from the United States government. Um, there's legislation that's in effect based on reports that we published and made recommendations for changes in American law. That's We Palestinian Media Watch. And the recommendations we, we gave to Congress to cut off funding to terror and glorifying terror were accepted by Congress a number of years ago, but every single year since then, uh, whoever's been president in all the years that President Obama has been in office, he has used his waiver to, to cancel uh, the, the, the limitations in funding. Uh, what's happening right now, by the way, is, is that we're, we're in contact with many members of Congress and there are a number of examples of legislation that are going to limit uh, the president's ability to, to waiver this by putting conditions on the waiver. He can't just say it's American national interest. And then I think we'll see a major, major cut in the funding by the United States government. And then once it, when it really is cut, maybe there'll be a change in the Palestinian Authority. Yeah, but I mean, can you believe that there can be a change at this point? I mean, even even if there was this type of financial, you know, uh, threat, and and that threat was carried out, do you believe that with the way uh, the the PA society, so to speak, has been inculcated, they could possibly change from the attitude of incitement that they've been drilled with all these years? I, I agree with you completely. The we're no longer dealing with just a problem of incitement. We're dealing with a problem of a population right. that is burning with hatred toward Israel uh, and doesn't believe that Israel has the right to exist. In fact, they don't even uh, believe that Jews have a right to live as people. And I'll, and I'll say that there, we many, many times Palestinian television has broadcast. Uh, we've even seen it in, in some Palestinian in, in a Palestinian school book in uh, the religious education, where they were taught a, a an Islamic source, a hadith attributed to Muhammad, which says that the hour of resurrection won't come until Muslims fight the Jews and kill them. Um, so that they have presented killing of Jews as a religious obligation, and in fact, redemption is contingent on uh, Muslims fighting Jews and kill them. This is the Palestinian Authority a presentation of the source. There are other Muslims who don't apply this source today and say it doesn't apply. The Palestinian Authority has applied it, including the Palestinian Authority Mufti, who's the most important religious leader in the Palestinian Authority today, just two years ago, uh, said that at an event, and it was published and it was broadcast on television. Polls have found that more than 70% of Palestinians believe that hadith, meaning you have an entire population, more than 70% who believe that they have a role to kill Jews, that uh, Allah wants them to kill Jews, they're fulfilling Islam if they kill Jews. This is the result, and that's exactly why what you said is correct. We have a population that has been poisoned by this Palestinian Authority messaging, and I see two stages having to happen. One, Western government, or I would say three stages. First is that Western governments, United States and Europeans, have to stop funding the Palestinian Authority uh, as a condition or, or conditioning their funding on a total change in the messaging. Two, we need a long period of, I would say, detoxification of those poison messages that the Palestinians have been giving the people. They have to get no more negative hate messages. They have to be taught to see Israelis as we have been, which have really been very good neighbors over these years. Um, and finally, hopefully, we'll then... Uh, evolve or grow into a new Palestinian population who's willing to live in Israel with peace. I don't think anything you just described could take place in our lifetime. 
I think you need a lot, a lot more time. Than <laughs> okay, that. maybe, maybe you're right, and, and I mean, tragically, I think you're right based on past experience. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're a lot younger than I am, but uh, I don't see it. Uh, Itamar Marcus, well, just a second. Itamar Marcus, Palestinian Media Watch, with us. Is there a specific video that you would recommend that people who are skeptical about what you're saying could actually view, maybe with subtitles, and see? the type of incitement that you're referring to? Is there a, I don't know, a video or just like a couple of items? Because you have a lot of stuff on your website. A couple of items that you could recommend where people could see what you're describing in action? Yes, I, w- I would suggest they they go to our website, which is palwatch.org, one word, palwatch.org, um, and just type it in the search on top, um, monkeys and pigs. Monkeys and pigs. Monkeys and Pigs. And then what they'll see is a number of videos where young girls on official Palestinian television were reading poems that they had been taught to memorize. Um, and uh, they were describing the Jews as the enemies of Allah, despicable monkeys and pigs. Uh, and, and again, the girls are beautiful. They're sweet. They're, they're, they're naive. They don't even know what they're saying. And they're probably less than 10 years old, and this is official Palestinian television. Those are just two examples. And then if you go into the general children's video section, you'll see many, many more examples how young children, even under 10, are brainwashed by the Palestinian Authority. Um, by the way, again, the TV station, like the newspaper, is owned and controlled directly by the Palestinian Authority. I know I interrupted you before. I'll give you a chance to make your point. But has any of this ever been officially... I don't know. I mean, you're, you're presenting everywhere around the world. Have you ever presented to the Israeli government, as the prime minister and others, especially in the Department of Education in Israel, the Ministry of Education, know about the research you've done? Uh, certainly. We, we meet, actually, uh, uh, every, uh, every three months. We have a regular meeting in, uh, in, the, in the prime minister's office, uh, and this has been going on for probably five years now. Uh, in addition, we're in constant contact with them. Uh, during uh, in between meetings, this is just a formal meeting to give a summary of the entire quarter that we give them. Um, we meet in the foreign ministry now lately. It's been once a month, uh, as well as in many other. I'm speaking to members of uh, British and Australian Parliament who will be in Israel next week or in two weeks. Um, and uh, we, we, we get this message directly, again, to the Israeli government and to all governments around the world. Uh, and uh, th- there's a lot going on. I'll give you one great success. We just had the, the, the Dutch government, the Dutch parliament last week voted unanimously. There were only uh, 148 out of 150 members who were in parliament at the time voted um, to that, that the um, Dutch government should uh, demand that the European Union uh, and their own government stop funding the Palestinian authorities uh, giving money to Palestinian terrorists in prison. And this has been a number of years of hard work that we've been doing with the Dutch government. There are many MPs there working with us. Um, and we're having similar success in other parliaments. We've had great success in Norwegian parliament. Uh, we're literally going one by one, and our goal is to, to grow and expand so that we don't have to do one parliament at a time, but literally we could go and follow up with, with all through Europe. I believe that uh, eventually we're going to reach a tipping point where the um, the isolation that Israel feels in Europe can be turned around because when you show a member of parliament, a little girl on official PA TV, uh, talking about the Jews as descendants of monkeys and pigs, and then you tell them, listen, you paid for this, uh, they respond with horror, even if, even if they're supporters up until that point of the Palestinian Authority. Itamar Marcus is director of Palestinian Media Watch. How are you guys supported? 
We're supported by uh, private contributions. We have uh, an ability to get money in the United States uh, uh, tax-deductible through Central Fund of Israel. So uh, if anyone wants to help us grow and expand and and impact more around the world and and really change the image of Israel and the Palestinian Authority in the world, we would be very, very thrilled if people wanted to uh, support us. And in any case, they should go to our website and sign up for our bulletins so that you can get the latest videos with subtitles uh, in your inbox. Um, when um, when these things are said. I know I interrupted you before. Is there another point you want to make? Anything you want to add to this conversation? Yeah, I just wanted to say before when we talked about it, you know, you don't see any change in the PA, and I agree with you completely. There, there's no chance in our lifetime that the Palestinian Authority will ever willingly on their own make this kind of a change. I just want to point out a significant poll that was done a number of years ago, and that's why it's so significant. The poll was done by a person in Khalil Shkaki, who's the most important Palestinian pollster. He did it. In 1996, and he did the same poll again for four years. Now, in this poll, he asked Palestinians to rate different places in the world in democracy and human rights. Now, why is this period 1996 significant? This is just at the beginning of the Palestinian Authority. This is after Palestinians lived under Israeli administration for 30 years, from 1967 uh, through 1996. And Palestinians were asked to rate different places, and he asked them about the, the PA, Palestinian Authority, United States, France, and Israel. Well, in all of the polls, four years in a row, um, Israel came out the best in the world in democracy and human rights in the eyes of Palestinians. Meaning, hmm. after 30 years of, of contact with Israelis, Palestinians thought that Israelis were the best in the world in democracy and rights. And by the way, it was very significant. There were 78% of Palestinians give Israel a positive rating in the first year, and the United States only got 65% positive. Uh, and the next year was 77, the next year was 75. Palestinians who knew Israelis, who didn't have the Palestinian authority to poison them with hatred, they actually admired Israelis as the best in the world in democracy and rights. Why? Because they saw us directly as we are, as good neighbors. And our hope is that a Palestinian leadership will, will eventually be brought about by, I don't know, by, by after there's some major, probably, crisis in the Palestinian Authority, financial crisis, and they, they put in a new leadership who will just open the doors to peace with Israel, let Palestinians see that we really are the best neighbors they could possibly hope for. And hopefully we can someday get back to those polls where uh, 78% of Palestinians give Israelis a positive rating in democracy and human rights. Itamar Kolakavod. Uh, Palestinian Media Watch is the website. Anybody wants to see it, it's palwatch.org, P-A-L-Watch.org. Kolakavod to you. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Bye. Six minutes before 9 o'clock. This is JM and the end. There are rumors flying that Joseph Telushkin, who just wrote the book about the Lubavitcher Rebbe, might be in this studio tomorrow. There are rumors flying that Joseph Telushkin might be in this studio tomorrow. We'll try to update everybody as soon as we know right here at JM in the AM. Shall I 
this earlier in the context of uh, the fact that there's still Shavar Brachas this week for a lot of people. I was amazed to find out how many weddings there were this past Monday night and Sunday night, I guess, as well. So there are people, even during these three weeks, that are now in the middle of Shavar Brachas. But we also have other announcements to make on the Mazel Tov front. I got an amazing email last week from Yael and Shlaimi Ash, and I apologize that I neglected to announce this before last Shabbos. They have announced the engagement of their son Yoni to Meira Resnick of Ramat Beit Shemesh. Yoni Ash, Meira Resnick, daughter of uh, Rabbi and Mrs. Usher Resnick of Ramat Beit Shemesh, are a recently engaged couple. So those of you who see Yael and Shlaimi today, if you haven't yet, make sure to wish them a major mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. <laughs> Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Oh, yes, our brothers and sisters in Israel, how our hearts and minds are with you during this trying time. Let's hope it's a safe day for everybody 
in Israel and around the world. Tomorrow we're back. We'll start at 6 a.m. I am hoping that Joseph Telushkin, who is author of the brand new book about the Lubavitcher Rebbe, will join us at some point. Uh, we are working on that as we speak. Our stream is in three weeks format, which means you can enjoy or not enjoy all of our acapella selections all through the day at jmtheam.org. Have a uh, wonderful Wednesday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.